What's up, everybody? This is episode nine of right. Two Hip Hop Senseis and a Casual. Fellas, how y'all doing? Good, good. Super. What's going on? I am excited. That's what's going on. We've been uh we've been teasing this one for a while. So Gerard, I, I look forward to our conversation this episode. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm feeling good, ready to discuss. I know we teased it last week, but um, today, later in the episode, we're going to discuss the best and worst labels to be signed to. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> um, before we begin, though, I just want to say, anybody listening, stop what you're doing. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast. Um, please leave reviews. Let us know what you guys are thinking, stuff you like, stuff you hate, any feedback. We appreciate it. And also, be sure to follow us on Instagram. We got a new page up. It's called Two Hip Hop Senseis Period A Period Casual. So again, all the love. We appreciate it. And we just ask for you guys to keep supporting us. Right. Also wanted to say congratulations to Joey Badass, uh, who is an Oscar Award winning actor now. Netflix's Two Distant Strangers won an Academy Award uh, for Best Live Action Short Film. This film also was executively produced by Diddy, who we will discuss a little <laughs> later, as well as Kevin Durant, Michael Conley, uh, and these two NBA players now join Kobe Bryant as the only NBA players to win an Oscar. But so you said Puffy won an Oscar, right? Hey, man, come on, man. Shout yeah. out to Puffy. You know We're going to get into this later. Shout you out to Puffy, man. You, know you try to start. We're going to get into Shout this Shout out to Puffy, bro. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Drew, you got something you want to add about Puffy, man? I no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit back and <laughs> <it right. laughs> very jittery right now. <laughs> sure, man. Um, but yeah, briefly, I just want to discuss the latest episode of the Joe Budden podcast where the old gang got back together, and the only yeah. thing I really wanted to add was it's really dope to see guys express their feelings on a national setting. I yeah. feel like the whole beef, like it was kind of behind the scenes and nobody really knew for sure. But essentially in this latest episode, uh, the guys were really vulnerable and expressed some stuff you really don't see from men. Like we, yeah. with guys, there's always like jokes and, you know, laughing stuff off. But when stuff really bothers us, a lot of times it's just who get over, who gets <laughs> over it first and yeah. just moving on. So to see, you know, people, again, we mentioned in previous episode, Joe Button going to therapy with was it Rory? Yeah. Um, so going to therapy for friendship, something you don't see. But I thought it was refreshing and to see everybody get to a place where they're able to get back on the show, express exactly what it was that bothered each other individually, and just being transparent. I thought that was something really nice to see and something I hope helps guys like us, you know, be able to express when stuff is bothering you and you know, talk it out, which is yeah. so uncommon. I, I, I like that too. And it's good that they spoke about communication because you like you said, with guys, we don't express ourselves and say what bothers us, like what where we felt like the lines were crossed, where communication was off, where we felt like we was disrespected. And I like that when I listened to it, they all um told their part their part of the story where they felt like, you know, things were miscommunicated. So I thought that was cool. Now I'm not gonna take sides because I feel like everybody's feelings is valid. You know, but I'm glad they did get on air and explain like what happened in the background and why they chose to stay out for what six weeks or whatever. Yeah. 
And Drew, I know you expressed some feelings towards Joe Button, so I don't want to delve into it too much. But is it safe to say you aren't the biggest Joe Button fan? Not the podcast, just Joe Button himself. No, I just say you leave it to him to be a drama queen and start stuff with his own boys, you know. <laughs> typical Joe. Typical Joe. <laughs> but no, man, uh, the reason we got into it the other day, uh, for the listeners at home, uh, I just texted how I, I'm not a fan of Joe Button anymore. And I used to be. And that guy had a chance. And with the pump it up, obviously, in the first album, didn't really do too much. And he got a second chance at a career uh, with Slaughterhouse. And then kind of burned his own bridges, made a lot of enemies in the rap game. And just, I don't respect him anymore. And I used to really like him as a lyricist, too. But I'm, I'm not going to, I don't like listen to his show or anything. So he's just like, a, he's just a big troll. So, Drew, I want to ask you, would you mind... Uh, briefly explaining what it was that made you kind of turn away from Joe Button regarding Eminem, which you said the other day with Eminem. Nope, y'all so are in the cloud. B. B is so petty. He knows <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the casual my ass. He's digging for something. <laughs> so I'll briefly say it had a little bit to do with Eminem and all the things you you sent a good article that showed you know a lot of the beefs that Joe Button has had, but the one regarding Eminem I didn't have a big problem with only because. He was honest, and I feel like it relates to something I kind of – I feel really, I guess, searching for the right word. but You're passionate. Yeah, I'm really passionate about people expressing the truth, especially if it's somebody, you know, that has a hand in uh, feeding you, as you said, Drew, with, with Eminem. But a lot of people are just yes men, I feel like, when it comes to stuff, when it comes to art and opinionated – I would rather you tell me the truth and say, for example, if I ask somebody for feedback in the podcast regarding our show, if somebody said, yo, I don't really like it, these are the reasons why, I respect that more than a person just saying, yeah, it's dope and really not, you know, rocking with us or thinking the show is good. So I, I value people that are honest no matter what. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. But I, I do understand what you're saying, Drew. If, you know, somebody went out their way to, you know, help you sometimes and what's done oftentimes is a person simply lying and saying, you know, they enjoy something that they really don't. Right. I mean, like, how much do you really owe them? Like, okay, it's a it's a business decision, right? So he went out and said, okay, I'm going to sign Slaughterhouse, like, at the behest of my friend, which is Royce, right? But still, what if that group didn't like the way that Eminem and uh, Shady was doing? And I think that was the issue between Joe and Eminem because they didn't like the way that Shady was handling their project when Slaughterhouse was already good when they released their first mixtape. So right. like it ain't really much you have to do. Like I think I think with Joe is like he comes off abrasive, right? So like when he says something, it like you don't really like how it comes across, but there's all it's always rooted in honesty and truth. So like you may not like the way someone says it to you, but the way but what they're actually saying, you know what I'm saying? You gotta like kind of take a step back and say, All right, I see where you're coming from. Now, like I feel like you know, Joe can probably take the edge off a little bit the way he 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 um, presents things, but I didn't yeah. think what he said about Eminem was so harsh. Like even you, Drew, said that that no. album was awful. Like you know, but I I think the way that Joe came out about it, and like he said, he told M this already. I just think the, didn't think that M thought he was gonna go on a podcast with it. You right. Know? So we I mean we didn't tell people what the deal was yet. So basically, Joe Budden uh, called Eminem's revival M, uh, album trash, which it was, and I agree. But my biggest thing, with, I get what you guys are saying about the respect and everything, and I totally get that about being honest, speaking your feelings. 
my biggest thing, I don't know if he piggybacked on top of the fans. Because, you know, with the Eminem album, it comes out at midnight. Half the world already heard it, you know? Right. Like, Eminem goes number one album in about a couple hours after release, which is crazy. So immediately the fan reaction was, this album's garbage. And yes, it was. And it just started getting like a snowball effect with people on social media, just saying that Eminem's garbage, this is trash. And I think this is how it personally started the whole uh, uh, separation between fans with Eminem. And now there's a whole group of people like defending calling him trash. And there's another who are still calling him the goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Joe name. did, I feel... I feel was a little disrespectful because I feel he hopped on the fans bandwagon with that and then called it trash. And when you get that media personality calling it bad, it just, it's not good at that point, you know? So the, only I get thing, it. the only thing I want to add is Joe Budden just, he doesn't strike me as somebody based on everything he's done to just go with the fan opinion. Like I think he legitimately, if he thought, and again, we don't know Joe Budden personally at all, but mm-hmm. based on everything I've seen from him, if he thought it was good, I definitely think he would have said it was good when they were, when he was asking questions. So that's my only counter to what you said, but I get it. Like that was a great point you made. The the two sides not Eminem with people going out the way to say just how trash he is, right. and people trying to still be loyal to him based on how they feel. You know whether it's present or you know modern day albums he's releasing. So that's a very good point. Yeah, but you know, like I think when um. When Royce was asked about it, he just beat around the bush a little bit. Like he was like, you know, <laughs> like, like it's like, you know, um, I just like I felt like there was other ways we could have went about these things, you know, but M is my brother, you know, like all that, like, bro, come on, you you didn't like it, just like everybody else. But when Joe did it, it was just like, no, nah, this is trash, you know, <laughs> like nobody wants to hear that lyrical miracle, like you know what I'm saying? Like he it's always so much so passionate that right. you like he just like attacking. And I think M took it that way. On top of that, too, it 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 did release at a really weird time because there was American flag on the album and the whole right. Trump situation was going yeah. on. Mm. And Eminem just had the BET cipher where the whole verse was bashing Trump. So I feel that made a disconnect with other listeners of him who may have been Trump fans, you know. Yeah. Um, so on top of that. Uh, a lot of the album was about like black rights and just uh, black lives matter and other, you know, controversial issues that are going on. So I feel M being the white guy had it, that he is did the right thing in his heart, but it didn't come across correct. So you have a lot of people saying, why are he, why is he using his platform as a white guy? I'm like, well, he's been down since day one, you know, right. So, that kind of it was just kind of a mess of an album. It was released really fast, so it was trash. I agree, it was his worst album to me. But like I said, Joe had that second chance to me at a rap career, and M and Royce kind of gave it to him with Slaughterhouse. And I just feel you don't burn your bridges at that point, you know. But it is what it is at this point. Slaughterhouse is no more, and my favorite group will never be around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. The last thing I want to add regarding the Joe Budden podcast is their episodes are anywhere between three and four hours. So oh, I have yeah. to admit, I felt a certain type of way seeing people comment on that and finding time to listen for three to four hours, however they found that way to do it. <laughs> and we have a podcast that's around one hour, and you know, just trying to get people to listen. So I don't know if you can, if you can give Joe Budden and them three or four hours. I feel like you should be able to give people you actually know an hour, but 
Maybe that's just me. Maybe yeah, that's just yeah, me. Yeah. Dry, you made a great point. You said people gonna find the time to listen they to what they want to listen to. Yeah. So hey, whatever we gotta do, man. Maybe we gotta work a little harder. But I will say I am motivated because they've been doing that show for about eight years now. Yeah, eight years. Yep. And we've been in the game for like two months. So <laughs> I respect the grind, and that's definitely a goal of mine to keep churning and see what we can do, man. Yep. So so what he's saying is listen to our goddamn podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I want to pivot from that to the new G DJ Khaled album, uh, which dropped yesterday. Um, I got a chance to listen to it. Um, so I don't know who wants to go first. I can go first if need be, but I'm curious as to how everybody felt about that project. I'm going to go first because I know y'all going to say some fuck shit. So here we go. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So much for dry, not cussing as much. Yeah. Mama. <laughs> Two off the bat. Good job, buddy. Hey, man. You know, got to stay on course. Listen, but um, this is the thing about Callus album. I didn't hate it, but it's kind of like I, I use this analogy like, you know, you can eat the same meal over and over again. And it might be edible. But you're like, I don't want this no more. Like, I'm not trying to eat this same meal again. Like, I can eat spaghetti. I'm not trying to eat spaghetti eight <laughs> times in a row, bro. Like, so, like, that's the thing with this Khaled album. I feel like it's the same thing over and over again. And Khaled's production style, he always, I think, for him to sell a lot of records, he tries to, like, lean on from, um, familiarity. So, he like, he remixes, like, old songs. Like, yeah. so you, like, oh, this is familiar. So, if I like that song, then I'll like this song, too. You know, and like, and he uses the same artist. I'm tired of hearing Wayne. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of Drake. You know, you like, I, I love the, like, I did love the um, Hove and Nas song. That was cool. But, bro, you don't like, you building up this, this big performance of a Jay Z song. You have Jay Z on every album, bro. Like, we get it. Hove is the GOAT, but you ain't always got to make this seem like this production. Like, I, I will respect Khaled more if he broke a new artist or, I found a different way to use his production and, and music, but Kellis album are starting to like feel like it's the same. Like we I feel like he's regurgitate regurgitating the same album over and over again. Right. So like like I said, it's not bad. It's not a bad album. It's 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 honestly it's mid as fuck, but like, <laughs> right. like it's very mid. It's not bad, but it's not something I'm not gonna play it again. I'm not gonna listen to it again. Like so bro, it's just uh, I like what you said because he's been making the same album since 06. Right. <laughs> Listen, all that stuff. But like basically he's been making the same album since 06 with like the Listen albums. And it's just the same kind of it's just the same kind of beat over and over. And he just slaps his like mega artist on it. There's really no direction to the albums. But uh, listening to it, I didn't realize my thing was on shuffle the whole time. And <laughs> Yeah, he he wastes a lot of features, and mm -hmm. he he kind of he, he pairs these mega artists like Nas and uh, uh, Jay Z together, and they don't really do anything with them, you know. My thing is, I feel like you said you stating that you listen on shuffle is no different than listening to the album the way it was made. Like it, right. that's my biggest complaint when it comes to Khaled. There seems to be no structure to his albums. It's literally just projects just thrown, you know no type of you know synchronization nothing it just it doesn't really flow well like you guys right. said he grabs a lot of big artists and you know there's there will always be a few good songs on his projects but that's what i would like to see from him. maybe tell a better story yeah. some type of flow to the project i didn't get any of that um 
overall, like you said, Gerard, I thought the album was mid. Uh, what I did like, though, I really liked the song We Going Crazy uh, with the Day No beat in the background. Really enjoyed that. But that was like the first song on the album. That's what, song number four that I mm-hmm. started rocking my head to first listening. The first three tracks I didn't find very enjoyable. I really disliked the Cardi B song. I feel like you did. Uh, they, they could have did way better with that. I, I'm not I a mean, fan. Uh, of- yeah, it definitely could have been better. But I thought that was, I thought she did good. I thought she did good. Now, like maybe it's the the chorus when you say the same couple words over yeah. and over and over. It just that doesn't do a lot for me. Uh-huh. But thankful is really, and I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, Gerard. I feel like the album could have started off so much better. I really wasn't a fan of Thankful. And to me, the intro song to an album does so much as far as like whether the listener is really excited to listen to the rest or looking forward to cutting it off earlier than they should. So to me, that's what really made me not like the album starting off, but there's some good songs on it. Justin Timberlake, I was excited to hear. But that shit was trash. That let yeah. me down, man. It was very <laughs> underwhelming. I was informed by a friend. Shout out to Jack. He said that Justin Timberlake had had, you know, uh, vocal surgery a while back. So mm. maybe it's up to me to not have the same expectations for Justin Timberlake. But was I was bad. expecting the prime, you know, 2020 experience <laughs> vocals. And I didn't get it. So that was underwhelming. And then you mentioned Drake Gerard, like, the two songs that Drake is on, we heard right. a year, a year ago. ago. So it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. It feels like this project may have been pushed back, but yeah, I'm I I, I didn't have well, super high expectations, but overall, you know, I, it just was okay. I think it was pushed back because of you know the pandemic. So like, I think okay. had it not, you know, everything been shut down, those two Drake tracks was when they dropped the album should have been coming sooner than that, and it did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, B, uh, I was listening uh, to the first time I heard it uh, with Mariah to the Justin Timberlake song. Mm-hmm. And when it was done, she was like, does Justin Timberlake sound like Justin Bieber? Or does oh, Justin Bieber man. sound like Justin Timberlake? <laughs> I, it, that's, that's how that's how that's messy that song was, though. Yeah, you know? That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't it know. I, I really enjoyed Prime Justin Timberlake. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bieber Valley, although I didn't really like the last <laughs> album, but I don't know, man. I just if somebody was to listen to this, Justin Timberlake on the album, they it wouldn't excite you to go back and listen no. to the work. So it's not prime. It's not prime. So that's that's exactly how I'll put it. But uh, yeah, uh any fans out there, if you guys listen to the project, let us know what y'all think. Gerard, I had a question for you though. What's up? Uh how'd you feel on Thankful uh with the Heart of the City sample on there for, like that Jay used? Well, I, I see. I didn't hate like um, B. I didn't hate the um, intro. I, I actually like that song, and I like Jeremiah, so I like the way he's saying. And then the Heart of the City sample. I think Wayne likes rapping on JB, so I thought <laughs> Wayne sounded good on it. Yeah. So like, that's what I was gonna ask you, man. Like, how do you feel about hearing other beats sometimes that we heard back in the day that artists are reusing now? You know, as long as you like. I guess it's a feeling. So as long as the artist like kind of conveys the same type of feeling, like that gives me the nostalgia for the song before, right? I'm all right with it. You know, the reason I say that is like I've heard J Cole do it before with a couple tracks, and then I heard most recently uh, Logic's last album. He had like three tracks that were like old Outkast beats. Yeah, I was like, bro, this is it. Just it, it takes away from like the originality, you know. Well, it gives you nostalgia. Like it makes you think about the old track. Now, if you do really good on it. Like then that's different. Like you be like, oh man, like right. you killed this. Like I can see, like if 
like if they did a verse back in the day, he would have did really good on it. Now, if you suck on it, then it makes <laughs> me look like you should have just left it alone. Like, right. Like, I mean, the thing with Logic, he was trying to make it like an album cut, you know, like yeah, one of those. Right. And it just, it, I don't, it, it doesn't work sometimes. It didn't, yeah. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say about the Khaled album, the last thing, what a waste of a Post Malone feature. Ah oh, man, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that was just. Oh, another tidbit too. Sorry, I'm rambling right now. Uh, I was a fan of Lil Baby on that album. He, Thank uh, you. Oh bro, my god, I was, I was not expecting Drew to say oh, that. Man, I, was kinda, not, I was definitely gonna bring that up, <laughs> like, bro. He came kind of hard on he that. Killed that album. I was gonna I'm say a, he is the shout MVP out to of Lil Baby. Album. I'm a I'm, to baby, I'm a mini bro. fan. <laughs> yes, Lil but Baby. Wait, I thought Drew. I thought you weren't a fan of any mumble rappers. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple. So baby, no, I'm, little baby just surprised me on that album out of nowhere, and I had to play it back. Like, damn, he kind of killed this. Oh man, that that makes my heart smile. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is shocking to me. I yeah. just I want to add though. I want I want I feel like there's some inconsistencies from you, draw. I want to call you out a little bit because okay. I feel like you didn't have the same ears on this project that you had with Lil Yachty, and I'm not trying to compare the two <laughs> as far as quality, but. You said that Lil Yachty's project had one good song out of, I think, 20, maybe. Yeah. There's no way you could try to convince me that the intro song was good and, and right. slander Lil Yachty and then give a pass to the intro track. No, this, I did recognize okay. the, the hard uh, right. That's fair. So this is, why, this is how I said it. When okay. I listen to Khaled's song, Khaled's song is like a um, a playlist, like a mixtape. So like, if you like one song, like say Khaled's song has 20 tracks or whatever, and I like three, I'm only expecting to like three anyway, because I'm not planning to listen to his song as like a like a conceptual album. Yachty's song is an album. I have to listen to it as a whole. So if I only like one out of 20, like that tells me like this album was awful. Like I'm not expecting to go into Khaled's album, listen to it for like a theme, like to like as a some sort of like um theatrical release or whatever like i'm so only are you, like, are you saying you have higher expectations for yachty than you do for Khaled? no i'm saying the mindset when listening to the album yachty's like yachty made an album like a, as a theme so when i'm listening to the song i'm seeing how each song relates to each other Khaled's album is a compilation album so i'm going into it thinking individual tracks only not like right. how, how the album gels together Hmm. Does that make sense? He's doing mental math. It does. <laughs> I just don't know if that's fair to an artist like Lil Yachty. Uh, I don't care about his feelings. <laughs> I get what you're saying though, Gerard. Like after I listen to a full album, I'll go back and like divide the tracks I like from the ones I hate, and I give it like a rating based off right. that. Yeah. So one out of twenty ain't good, B. If you're trying to do the math, oh no, I, you don't need to convince <laughs> but me. Album, album, I like more than one track. Like I, I, the two Drake um, tracks is old, but I still like them. You know what I'm saying? I like the J track. I like Thankful. Um, Thankful was like good. The, that's I that's like, essentially what I was trying to say. If yeah. you use the same ears listening to Lil Yachty as you should have did with Thankful, I but I didn't think Thankful was awful. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to figure it out essentially because you said what you you agree or you disagree. No, I said the, I said the track was too long to me. I was waiting for Wayne it the whole time. Might have been too long. It might have been too long, but I didn't think it was bad. Length, <laughs> length or value, I just thought it was bad. Like it, it was nothing from that song. There's nothing when you turn on that album. That's the first song that hits you. There's nothing that you come away at least for me where you're just like. Damn, this is a good song. Like, and maybe because, and maybe I didn't think it was awful because of the um the J sample. 
Like, you know. That was the best part of the song to me, which yeah. is a problem when you have Wayne on the track and Jeremiah with the vocals, like you said. I like Jeremiah, too. But I also didn't like what the, the, the thing I did not like about that song is the structure of that song. I agree. Now, I, I thought it should have been like Jeremiah on the hook, Wayne some verses, but yeah. it was Jeremiah for like three fourths of the song and then a Wayne verse at the end. Right. Like that. Like, so, like, if that's a, a negative against that, that's that. But the totality of the song, I, I thought it was cool. Where is it? Uh, I was waiting the whole time pretty much for Wayne to come on. Yeah. You know? And that's it's a it's a five and a half minute song and it's just all Jeremiah, right? Like, <laughs> so if that's a negative, then that that the way they structured the song. If um, they start the project off with "We Going Crazy," I think that would that would have did a lot for me as a listener. <laughs> like, I I think I would have viewed the project better moving forward. But it was hard to get over how much I didn't enjoy "Thankful." But you know, we agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> so any any thoughts or remaining thoughts on the Khaled album before we move on? Oh, just to hop back on what Drew said, Lil Baby was definitely the MVP of that album. Like, I agree. I agree with that. He he really like. I, Isn't that and, sad too? With like Nas <laughs> and Jay Z on it. Right. Yeah. I saw but an they, article this morning though, and it said uh, it was some like fan made article, but it said just stop throwing Jay Z on these tracks that don't mean anything. You know. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. He's not at that. Yeah, Jay verse, that Jay verse was really good, but it was so short. Yeah, like, I don't need. Was that even sixteen? It might have been twelve. Like I, don't, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. He got in and got out. Like, so. yeah. I saw somebody put on Twitter that they wanted a new Jay Z album. I have to say, I wholeheartedly agree. I yeah. was. Yeah. I feel like twenty twenty one has been so slow, and it's not the reason I want a new Jay Z album. Yeah. But twenty twenty may have really spoiled us with music. Like, bro, yeah. you know what? That that may be why uh, we're not really fans of this Khaled album right now because this year has been so dry right now. We're just waiting for anything to just fill our ears, you know? And it, yeah. it was just, eh. Yeah. Just yeah. another Khaled album. Everything that's been coming out has been, eh. Like, yeah, you know, I agree. Like, nothing has really, like, you know, I don't know, like, motivated you, like, like, oh man, I can't wait to listen to this over and over again. Mm-hmm. Even though I really enjoy Moneybag Yo album, like it's not something that I'm just gonna keep listening to all the time. Like, right. I just keep listening to old stuff. But apparently somebody from TDE got an album dropping soon. So what a so tease, man. Tell tell us who it is. Like, what <laughs> don't even get me started. I will say, speaking of tease, J. Cole released on his Instagram story that he was riding to an album and is excited for it. So Man, anybody, please, Cole. Uh, <laughs> it could J- be Absol though, Gerard, because he's he's been a while since he's came out. Yeah, I don't know. I would I, take it Kendrick because that's been forever. I will take Kendrick. I will take SZA. I will take oh, Isaiah Rashad. Drake was the studio. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> please drop some music because it's been slow. The as window hell washer from TDE. If he wants to drop out, <laughs> I'm sure he's heard a few bars before. <laughs> Give us something, please, right. man. But yeah, let's 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 uh let's get into the best and worst labels to be signed to. Um, I just want to start by saying while researching this topic, I thought to myself two main things. The first is how much is unethical slash conning versus just being part of the game, mm-hmm. and then the second thing that I thought to myself is is almost as if if you do everything you're supposed to do as a good label and treat artists the right way. That information is hard to find, and you don't really see that publicized the way you see labels that don't treat artists well, 
So I found that very interesting. It was much harder to find information on good record labels to be signed to or good deals than it was to find the ones that are looked at as trash or, you know, controversial. So those are two things that I I thought about the most doing all this research. That's a a nice segue into this uh, segment, B, because, I mean, let's start it slow. Let's start with some of these, like, mini labels like TDE, you know? Yeah. So... I will say, unfortunately, dating back to the beginning of hip hop, many first artists were victims of awful contracts, um, despite some of those records going, you know, until present day. Uh, Q-Tip in 1991, he has a single um, or on the single Check the Rhyme. He coined the phrase industry ruled number 4080 record company record company people are shady and that that line is still very prevalent to this day. So. We don't. We know we did list in the past. We're not really going to do a list per se, but we're just going to do discussion based on everything that we found regarding, you know, the best and worst labels. So, I'll start it off if you guys are okay with that. The yeah. first label that I have is Cash Money. Um, from everything from you know lawsuits filed by Lil Wayne against Birdman and Cash Money, um, he accused the CEO of withholding the Carter Five album. Which personally, maybe Birdman was trying to do us all a favor, but you know, that's another story. But Wayne has been associated with cash money since he was 12 years old, man. And he says that Birdman stole $50 million from him. At, at a certain point in his career, he was referring to Birdman as his father. Um, and I even learned the way that Lil Wayne got started with the group. There's some shadiness, you know, according to who you ask about it. Uh, an artist named Lil Slim states he brought Lil Wayne the baby's attention with the intention of Lil Wayne being under him as he was an established artist. Um, and then Lil Slim ended up leaving cash money, but says there was a deal made behind his back. And then after that was done, he was never, he wasn't able to get in touch with Lil Wayne anymore. So mm-hmm. I found that interesting. I know this will be a common theme throughout our discussion, but there's always three sides to the story. You have one person's side, you have, you know, the other person's side, and then somewhere in the middle, they say that's where the truth lies. So, yeah. I don't know, if, you, if you're if you're close to somebody to the point where they're calling you, you know, a uh, father figure, I feel like a lot of the stuff allegedly Birdman is accused of, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me. Drew, I know we discussed on a few episodes in the past uh, the Rick Ross song, Idols Become Your Rivals, where he's talking about Birdman doing DJ Khaled wrong. It was really hard to find information on that. Essentially, Rick Ross alluded to the fact that Birdman owed DJ Khaled millions, but everything you find from DJ Khaled is nothing but love. He has no ill will towards Cash Money, Birdman, anybody. So, because that's the type of person Khaled is. Like, yeah, he's not going to really say anything negative. But yes, that like when the first deal when Khaled left left and started his We the Best label, he he signed with Cash Money. Because of his relationship with Birdman, and Birdman did him wrong, like so, that he's not gonna say nothing bad about it. But the business relationship is definitely was off. But they still good friends though. So yeah, no, but, but there's so many artists when it comes to to Cash Money, um, or just you know Birdman accusations. Which again, I want to keep saying accusations because you know for legal reasons. But you have Tyga, Manny Fresh, Bangladesh, you know BG all have complained about the doings of Birdman and his brother. Um, a former artist named Miss T stated she felt like they specifically targeted young artists due to them not really knowing about the business. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Birdman's alleged most common tricks is the rapper, um, 
consistently saying that he was using his position as both the label head and manager of artists mm -hmm. to deceive them about their concert fees. And when you think about it, just from a common sense point, a person acting as both the head of a record label who's supposed to have, you know, the interest in, you know, the label making money. And then as an artist manager where your job is supposed to fight for your artists, if you have the cap of both those roles, like that's a problem. And according to some artists that was under cash money, they said Birdman didn't allow you to bring in a manager of your own. Like part of being under label was he had to be your manager. So when you look at all these, you know, <laughs> articles and this information it's like yo however you view birdman like there's i don't see a way where you can there's still artists that signed to his label after all the information has come out even with lil wayne who's supposed to be you know his son quote unquote mm -hmm. why would you ever sign to the label if you had a choice you know between some of the biggest names in the game i mean bro some of those labels with those contracts keep you there forever like you have to be bought out by uh, something, some astronomical amount of money to be bought out of a label sometimes. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's either you release a bunch of albums and get out of it just like that, or your your career is done pretty much. And it happened to so many people. Like Blue I don't know about the manager thing, because it's been other artists that came through, like Bow Wow has signed the cash money. I know he got his own management, like, um, other people who maybe are more established artists, he may use a different business tactic. But I also want to um, throw this idea out there. Now, Birdman is wrong for the management thing. And, like, I guess he tried to invent the first 360 deal by taking your show money. So, like, <laughs> like that's one thing. But the, the, the record label contracts, I wonder how, how much he knows about, like, those contracts. Because that's not something I don't think he can figure out himself. And I know you know his brother is part of the label too, but it got to be some other lawyers behind the scenes that's um, crafting those things together because, like, the money that he owed Wayne was from royalties from records, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, and um, publishing and stuff like that. And, like, Birdman owed money money himself in taxes. So I'm wondering, like, if he didn't know what was going, as, going on as far as the business dealings at his record labels as well to where he, like... He didn't know where to find the money to pay these things. It's just a question. I'm not trying to shoot him no bail, but like I don't know. It's some some of this stuff don't be adding up as far as his business dealings. No, that's a great question. I was just gonna add, uh, Blueface Baby is is almost like a meme now for being signed to a terrible yeah. deal. Yeah. Where the biggest thing I learned, or one of the biggest thing I learned, is a lot of these artists sign deals to where they're not even just under one company. There's a lot of umbrellas above them to where there's more hands reaching into the pot and yeah. taking money from, you know, all of their success before it trickles down to said artists. So, again, my biggest thing is almost like if you've heard these things about certain record labels, at what point is it your fault for signing with, you know, a, a person considered not the best when it comes to business? And I don't know. I just a part of me feels bad. But another part is like, how much of this is your fault? So. Yeah. It's going to be a common theme, but Drew, is there anything you want to add before we move to another uh, label? No, I was just going to say with like all these sub labels like Cash Money, like Young Money, like all those others, they're all part of like a bigger company, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Universal Music Group, which Cash Money's under, like who knows what they're doing behind the scenes, right, too? You know? Right. It, it's, I, I don't want to say it's all Birdman because he's been in a lot of like negative heat lately, but who knows? You know, he could be. Someone could be pulling his strings right now. Right. So there are that's a lot the of was, that's the point I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, the second one I have on my list is Death Row. And Drew, I know that was one that was on your list. So I'll let yeah. you start off with uh, any information you want to provide on that label. Could have been one of the greatest labels ever made. Uh, a lot of factors to why they're not anymore. A lot with Suge Knight and kind of how he's like the West Coast Birdman in a way, but a little more violent and scary as a kid to me. <laughs> a little more. <laughs> Bro. Hey, Vanilla Ice will have something to say about that. Man, Suge uh, Knight as a kid was like a villain in a movie. He was scary to look at. And then, uh, I mean, the whole Tupac situation, who knows if we'll ever know the full truth about that. But Dre leaving, being pretty much the mastermind behind that whole organization, you know, I feel like he was really running it uh, and really helping to develop all these artists. And Suge didn't really give them the time of day. And once Dre said he was leaving, that was pretty much the end of Death Row. Like, they tried to hold on and sign some mega artists. Like, Crooked Eye uh, was going to be signed to Death Row, or he was signed to Death Row. He was signed to Death Row, yeah. And nothing happened with him. So it had to have been it had to have been Dre's, like, creative mind really developing these artists back then. And I don't know. That label's just such a mess right now. And I think it just got... Didn't they just get... Um, uh, all their masters sold or something, or somebody yeah, bought so, recently. Um, Hasbro had bought um the company that owned um Death Row's masters, and that company also owned E1, so like oh. it was owned by Hasbro, but it just recently got bought, bought by another company for like almost 400 million dollars. So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I just uh, one thing recently in the news was DJ Quick, he actually burned a Death Row royalty mm -hmm. check. Stating oh, it was disrespectful and on Instagram live kind of just ranted about how he deserves more respect and he's tired of being disrespected. And uh, some of the stuff that he said he was disrespected by was being behind a lot of the two pack, the Tupac tracks. Um, also said he was behind some of 50 cents tracks. Uh, just a lot of stuff, not not all related to death row, but it was interesting to see G DJ quick said, you know, he he just demanded his respect for being a lot of or being behind a lot of success when it comes to death row. Yeah. Right. No, quick definitely deserves more respect. Sure. Yeah. So uh Drew, is there anything you want to add before we move to the next one on the list? It's just they were they were just part of that bad boy versus death row back in the day. I mean, there's if you don't know about that, you're living under a rock, you know. Yeah. It's just another one of those labels that had height of the game and just fizzled out and couldn't really maintain. Well, after Pac died and, you know, Suge Knight was on probation and him being in that thing with Pac, he went to jail. So Suge went to jail, Pac died. Right. The only person that was there on that label that was a big artist was Snoop. And Snoop got the hell on, too. So. Yeah, Snoop had a, a major <laughs> falling out with Death Row. And actually, uh, watching documentaries, you see when uh, when Suge went to jail, a lot of the stuff that artists under Death Row were given or, or stated was in their name, they found out, essentially wasn't. Right. And everything was it was under Suge Knight's name, which is sad when you think about it. Uh, again, greed. You would have loved to see for all he did for hip hop with Suge Knight. You just would have loved to see him set artists up better for themselves. But essentially, he was just putting stuff in his pocket. So but you, you know what's him. crazy? What's ironic is Suge Knight was uh, Dre's manager when he was on. Um, ruthless and he was trying mm -hmm. to get out of easy E's contract and mm -hmm. he was talking so much um, crazy stuff about jerry heller how jerry heller was taking money from him 
and then you go and start your own label and do the exact same right thing. exact same thing. the exact <laughs> same thing like bro like how are you any better how are you any different like you got these people signing contracts they don't know what they signing you giving them cars and money you know what i'm saying but 90 percent of their publishing going to you like they're not getting no points on the albums like right. so like, you're, you're not even really giving them those cars you right. borrow, you letting them borrow cars as right, yours, bro, you like, them in on, day. i like to propose like for the future like a what if scenario like for example with death row right now like what if uh should gave dre like full creative control of the company like eminem or, or all these others could have been signed to death row maybe you yeah. know yeah could be something for the future, listeners. Yeah, but Dre not the best label exec either, because we can talk about aftermath. That's so, true. Like, mm. <laughs> like, Y'all move to aftermath right now? Because I had it. Okay, let, let, let's go into aftermath. Go ahead, Gerard. Gerard, yes, sir. Oh, like with Dr. Dre, I think he's an incredible like artist. Like he's the best. Like his ear is the best in the game. Like as far as like hearing music and stuff like that. But as far as business, I don't think he cares that much about it. Like. He, he'll let someone else run the business. I think Aftermath, with having with signing Eminem, like they signed so many other artists. They had Busta Rhymes on there. They had mm-hmm. Rakim. Right they had uh, Marsha Ambrosius. Like they had so many artists, but Dre doesn't like stay in the moment as far as when releasing music. He, everything has to be perfect. Now, when it does get released, it's amazing, but it takes five years for your one album to come out. So, <laughs> like, true. Like, so I think like he has the best intentions in mind, but I think like you know his timeliness is not the greatest. So I'll say if like I wouldn't say it's one of the worst labels, but it, you gotta have patience. Like if you want to sign the aftermath, because Dre not gonna let anything drop. Now the business dealings might be fair. You know I, I've never heard somebody say that when they signed to aftermath they had messed up contracts. I don't mm-hmm. think he's gonna do that. Very good point. Uh, album gonna get released? I don't know. <laughs> 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 Yeah, the most recent uh, that I remember was John Connor from Flint. Yeah. And he got signed to Aftermath, and we have yet to see a debut album. Ever. Like, and then, like, even I know y'all didn't like the um, the Compton album, but it was a bunch of um, dope people on there. Like, it was this dude named Justice on there that was really good. Ain't heard a peep of him since. Dre will have people in the closet ghostwriting rhymes like oh, yeah. forever. Like, and you'll never hear from them. Like, bro, don't open that door until I tell you to. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked the I liked the Compton album, but then I just went back and listened to it about a year ago, and it sounds kind of dated already, which yeah. is kind of sad. I didn't like it at all. And that was one album that I did hear when it came out and I just wasn't a fan. Structure wise, it wasn't good at all. I agree. But some of there were some nice tracks on there, some nice like some old reunions on there with like exhibit and stuff. He kind of yeah. put Anderson Pac on a bunch of tracks, yeah. showcased Kendrick a little more, you know. So. It was nice for that. I mean, that's what Dre always did to me. Yeah. I I wouldn't say do we do we think Aftermath's a bad label or no? I don't think it's a bad I wouldn't label. Say it's, no, I wouldn't I would have it on on if i had to pick between good and bad i would have them as good right from the public eye i feel like they're a great label but from like an artist perspective like you said gerard that's gotta be so frustrating to just wait (laughs) when you especially when you're sitting on like a masterpiece exactly but so i mean we can transition now into shady after that because i i hate what eminem did with his artist you know i hear more drew huh let's hear more uh he he put on Obi, he put on 50 Cent, he put on D12, uh, but then he signed uh, Bobby Creekwaters, uh, Stat Quo, mm-hmm. I can't remember the third, 
but he didn't do anything with them. And Stat, uh, Stat Quo even had like a bunch of tracks uh, solo that were doing really well. He was on the Encore album with Eminem. He was on uh, one of the NBA Live games too. Mm-hmm. And then there was so much hype by Eminem signing this Atlanta artist and he did nothing with them. And then he left the label, then released the album and it was garbage. But <laughs> Eminem has never been big on putting out his artist. Yeah. I mean, like when you leave the label, leave the label and put your uh, album out, the momentum is gone. Like nobody's really trying to hear that no more. Like right. when the when the fire is burning hot, that's when you got to let it go. And I think that's M's problem from learning under Dre as well. Like they aim for perfection, you know. And right. when you sign, when you're an artist signed to an artist, that's also a negative thing because that artist is also trying to get their stuff together. So sure. I don't know if their mind is always so focused on what you're doing, like unless like. So like, like it's tough. Like with Eminem, um, he may think of ways that he'd like to control the album, and that's not something you do. So your stuff gets pushed back or gets delayed because of of his opinions, because he's the label owner. So they had a great run in the mid two thousands with like him, Obi, Dre, and uh, Fifty. But yeah. then I feel like once Proof kind of passed away, it just kind of he didn't have the passion anymore to go put out these artists or find them anymore also and i i argue back at that not even passion he didn't have nobody telling him no or telling him like true. telling him like yo this is not what you need to be doing him and royce weren't friends at that time so true. like you didn't if you ain't got nobody like b was talking about earlier you ain't got nobody bouncing off of you instead of just telling you like what you're doing is right you're gonna keep doing what you want to do so that is true and that was his that was his man so yeah b just being a Eminem groupie back in the day. I wanted to hear all these artists that he found and just hear what hear what his ear was hearing with them. And it was sad to never get a full album from any of the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other one, uh fuck, I just remembered his name too, and I just lost it. Uh, <laughs> I'll think of it again. If it comes back to you, feel free to interrupt me. But yeah. Rye, you made a great point in the conversation about um Eminem that I think is a great transition into another label that I have um, on the list. So the next one I had was Bad Boy uh, mm-hmm. Entertainment. And this was actually going to be towards the bottom of my discussion, but I can start off with it now. So singer Donnie Kling, I don't know if you guys remember him, but he yeah. was in the band. Right. He didn't make the band, but did he actually made him yeah, a solo artist? artist. Yeah. So yeah, he, he, he was a solo artist and, I actually have one of his songs on my phone, uh, embarrassingly enough, but he stated that uh, it's tough being in and it's tough being on a label where the president of the label is also an artist. And I never really looked at Bad Boy that way from the viewpoint of an artist stating that, you know, the president is also an artist himself. So I, it, it did make me kind of take a different look at Bad Boy, but We've been brewing this this discussion for a while, Jarrah, so I just want to get into it. I know you are all about Diddy. You previewed on the last episode that Diddy can do no wrong uh, <laughs> in your mind. So I just want to, you know, see if maybe some of this information can sway your opinion a little bit. But I can't, but go on. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I start with Craig Mack, who uh, initially left due to money. Um, mm-hmm. Mace has been on record stating he's never received the credit or the money he's deserved for all he's done for Bad Boy. Um, stated he came to Diddy for with a lot of the songs that Diddy is popular for. Mm-hmm. All the wars that Diddy has won, Mace kind of feels like he's had a big hand in that. Uh, the popular story of him trying to buy his masters back, 
Um, Diddy shut that down. Also, I found out, you know, the locks on record stating they didn't like the way their music was marketed, mm-hmm. how their image was portrayed. They asked for their release in 99. Diddy denied that as well. Uh, they ended up needing the Rough Riders to buy their contract for a reported $2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Diddy managed his hitman producers, signed his artists to his own publishing company, and was credited as the engineer, mixer, producer, songwriter, and executive producer producer on most of the, uh, the albums so he makes it very difficult for his artists to leave which i get there's a lot of contracts involved you know it's not as easy as going to somebody and saying i want out but my main question to you is is diddy not at the least kind of hypocritical for calling out some of the biggest record companies for you know profiting off of black car- culture but not doing the best when it comes to black artists but you have somebody as important as mace for bad boy saying yo you you kind of a hypocrite because you haven't really done well for your artists, you know, when it comes to your name or your company either. So I want to start off with that, Drew. All right. So let's start with Mace because I want to clear up some stuff as far as that. And now Drew, Drew already know this, like, because I talked to his mans about it before, like with the Mace name. And I love Mace. I told y'all this already. But this this is where Mace, like, he tries to get um the public to side with him about some stuff where Mace never takes accountability for his thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that yes, Mace came to Puff with all the songs. Like um the No Way Out record was originally from Mace's demo. So all those songs Mace wrote for Puff. And Puff never denied that. So like yes, and like Mace got his publishing as far as like it is from Puff and Mace did start Justin, I mean the his publishing company, I think it was called Justin's or something like that. Um the um his publishing company. But what Mace doesn't tell people is that like after his second album when he wanted to leave to become a preacher or whatever puff let him go like all right do your thing like you can go ahead and do that when mace came back for the welcome back album he was given another advance so you already owed three albums when you left the first time so that's money because you didn't like when i i'll I'll briefly talking to um signing a record label contract it's like you said before, it's essentially a loan. So they give you a money and then you have to re- they have to recoup the cost for it. So when you get this money for a recording cost, when you get this money for videos and stuff like that, that's not free money. That's the money that the label is giving to you. You have you have to pay it back from how much your album sells. So if you still owe me three albums, I'll let you go. I'm not asking for anything because clearly like God is important to me as well. I want you to go on and follow your heart. You come back, you you release one album. That's still from the contract you owe me before. And I give you another $5 million advance. Like when you come back, don't ask me for anything. I'm not going to give you nothing else if you leave again. Like, and that's just only fair. So don't come asking me for no publishing. I'm not going to give you no masters. Like now, now when you leave this time, like the masters are usually given back to you after 20 years or something like that. So like now you're going to have to wait. Because you didn't, you didn't even, we didn't even equal up on this. At this point, I'm in the red. I lost money from you before. Regardless of how many records we sold, I lost money. Like, so, like, Mace didn't even recoup off his contracts. So, like, that's, I don't think Mace, like, when, like, when you, he talks about these things, like, he never really says the whole story. He looks at Puff giving, um, giving everybody else these chances, and he never say, look, I might have burnt some bridges with Puff myself. Like, so, we'll talk about that. As far as uh, Craig Mack, I know that before Craig Mack died, Puff tried to um, finish that, help that relationship. 
So I'm not sure where those talks went. I know um, they tried to like um, fix things before the Bad Boy reunion tour because he wanted Craig Mack there. Mm-hmm. And I know Craig Mack was in his religious thing and he didn't want to like do anything worldly. But I don't know. I, I hopefully they fixed that relationship before he passed away. But I know that they 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 had conversations. Now to speak on your point again about um, like him talking to corporate people, like what the things that Puff learned was from things that he learned from Andre Harrell in the eighties and nineties. These are all bad etiquette as far as how record sales go. These people learn from other people, and you only do what you know until someone tells you that it's wrong. Like. The stuff that he did from the 90s is 20 years ago. What he's doing now, I know those are not business decisions that Puff make now. So, like, I don't think that once you grow and see, like, all right, these things that I did wrong, that you should still be able to, like, keep, like, throw, um, shooting arrows at these people for stuff that you did before. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, what is he doing now? Like, okay, is he still giving out those crazy contracts? Are people still saying, like, Puff owe me money? I don't think Puff has a bad relationship with his artists like he did before. Like, now, and then... I know I'm rambling right now too. No, you go. As far as the locks, as far as the locks, I I didn't like how they were marketed, but they knew what type of person Puff was when um they signed the Bad Boy. They saw the Rough Riders gaining steam, and they are actual friends with the Rough Riders. Right. So like like they was like, man, we see how they doing street stuff over there. We over here with Bad Boy. We don't want to wear no suits. We don't want to do all this like dancing and stuff in the videos. Hey, Puff, listen, like, I know we signed a contract with you, but like, we feel more comfortable over on this label over here. Can we go? In my mind, I'm thinking if I was in Puff's shoes, no. What, what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, no, wait, like, Jada Kiss and Styles are one of the best rappers ever. We just got money, power, respect going on. I'm right. making a lot of money with y'all. Of course not. Like, get your lawyers. <laughs> we'll talk about it then. The yeah. only reason they got off is not because they was threatening each other on the radio. It's because Puff and Dean and Y from Rush Riders are essentially like play cousins. Their fathers were best friends. So Puff did them a solid off of them. Like, it wasn't because of the locks. If Puff had his way, they'd still be on Bad Boy. So, like, like it wasn't no money thing. They just didn't like how Bad Boy was being ran because they didn't fit, it fit their... Uh, who they were as rappers and they didn't right. want to keep going back to the hood like oh man y'all got on suits and shiny suits and y'all y'all singing on mariah carey records like y'all ain't from the streets like they wanted to be like how rough riders was so like that's a difference in like ideals that ain't no money stuff like so yeah so i just have a few more when it comes to bad boys so carl thomas is on record saying in his opinion bad boy is the type of label that is wonderful if you want to break an artist he mm-hmm. said, now, if you want to sustain a superstar, that may not be the situation for you. Also, Young Jock, turn, uh, he took actually Diddy uh, to court, alleging unpaid royalties and advances and overcharging for clearing samples. Um, also, I want to say that uh, not related to money, but I do feel like Bad Boy kind of fumbled when it come to when it came to Young Jeezy. Uh, Young he Jeezy won't started, Bad Boy. He wants on a Bad Boy. So Boys in the Hood was signed to no, who? that was they were signed to Block Entertainment, who had a um who he had to deal with Puff. So they were always signed to Block. And okay. Young Jeezy was always a solo artist. It was basically like, see, I'm about to get old school. When Teddy <laughs> Pendergrass was in uh <laughs> was in like, Blue Notes. Yes, it was kind of okay. like that type of thing. Like when he was with 
Drew, I don't know if you knew that, but like, so when Teddy <laughs> Pettigrass was with the Blue Notes, you know, like it was kind of like that type of thing, like with Jeezy, like he was doing that just for a marketing thing, but he was never signed a bad boy, like at all. Okay, so then that clears that up. But I also yeah. did forget uh, when Jeezy left Boys in the Hood, he was replaced by Gorilla Zoe, which right, yeah, I completely forgot, but I always rock with Gorilla Zoe, so that was <laughs> a nice refresher to see. But it was a short-lived time in Boys in the Hood for him. That's it was, I mean. man. And Gerard, I have to say, I really liked your points when it comes to Diddy. Uh, if you were a lawyer, he would definitely praise you for getting him off uh, <laughs> when it comes to his viewpoint or how people view being signed to Bad Boy Entertainment. But I don't know. My thing is, when you have so many artists, and like you said, it is kind of an excuse, but also makes sense at the same time with how he was around the music industry and doing what he was familiar with. But yeah. again, there's a lot of artists and I'm sure if Diddy wanted to do better, you know, maybe not more modern, but back in the day, he could have, there's yeah. just way too many artists for me to, you know, unbiasedly say bad boy entertainment isn't personally a, a label that I would encourage an artist to go sign with where now they have a much, you know, smaller catalog of artists and the deals could be very much, much better, but just but basically- let me ask you this. Let me, let me pose a question yeah. to you. All right. Yeah. Out of all the artists that we named from bad boy, we have to look at Diddy's um, value to them. Like not, let's not look at their value to him. Look at his value to them without him. They wouldn't have been superstars or sustainable. Like so, look like look at these artists when they leave the label. Do they still grow? Right. Do they are they still superstars? Because we like I think a lot of times we downplay how much how valuable he is. You know you you named off like he um, credited himself as an engineer, as a producer, um, as a um, all of these as a Zaga producer and all of that. Diddy mm -hmm. is a very good producer. Like that's one thing that we don't give him credit for. He may not make the beats, but he is our generation's Quincy Jones. Like that's a fact. And so, like, these artists, they complain about not being paid, but can you stand on your own? That's the one thing I don't know about. Like, these artists, they leave, and, like, they're asking for equal uh, um, valuation of their contracts from Puff. It's like, what do you bring to the table to make me feel that way? You'll see all the artists that signed to Puff that, like, he felt like were valuable as well. Like, he let them go on, and they blossom. Like, mm -hmm. Like when he worked with them, when he worked with Rick Ross, he may not have signed Rick Ross to a label, but he knew Rick Ross is a superstar and they have a great relationship. Same yeah. thing with Big. They have a great relationship. Same thing with Lil' Kim. They have a great relationship. And he would have did the same thing with Mace had Mace not been on no stupid stuff. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, that's the thing. Like we, we also, we got to look at it from his point of view as well. Like Diddy, Diddy is super valuable. If he's going to bring himself to the table, you better be damn sure I'm going to get every single bit of my coin. Like, like I'm not, I'm not cutting no corners. Like, unless you bring that same type of value. If you don't, like Carl Thomas said, and I, and I have to do all the work to make sure that you're a star. Like them, like them people from the band, like them people from Danity Kane, like them people from Day Twenty Six, like B Five. I gotta do all of this stuff. Hold on now, hold on. B Five is a sensitive topic, man. We ain't just gonna let them off the hook for dropping B Five. Like they didn't pop like everybody else. That was the reason why they got pushed to the side well look they my thing is my thing is i think he started with this core group of solo artists like g-dep loon black yeah. rob shine and then after that he decided maybe groups are the future you know mm -hmm. so then he went with all the he went with the making the band which i didn't think that would last from the start just because it was kind of reality gimmick but uh, let me say that 
both of them making the bands because of Puff went platinum. That is true. But they wouldn't have done nothing without Puff. Too hot for TV. Man, both of them went platinum. Where, where you know, like, where you know that where a, a label head can do that? It's because he's Puff. Right. So that's the value he brings to it. Well, like, I, so I was I was 50-50 like between you guys because I know B's feelings about it and I know Gerard's, but I was gonna say more to Gerard's side though. I don't think if it was for Diddy, like G Dap Loon, all them shine wouldn't be as big, you know. I don't yeah. think they'd have a blossoming career back then. A lot of them did a lot of shit to themselves to get in trouble, yeah. which money could do that one, you know. But I think with the groups, it's a lot harder to manage. It's, it, I feel like it's really hard to manage six or seven different groups of yeah. five to six different people, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of egos in there. Right. And they get and they got their own management. Like it's only so right. much you can do. But and and to piggyback off of your um off of what you said before, B, like we have to start get, making these artists accountable as well. Like we we look at the label heads and say, you could have did this, this, and this. The artist could have did this as well. Like it's a bunch of artists that we know are assholes that 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 feel are they are entitled, you know, and they feel like, all right, I'm signed to this label. You give me this money, I I hand in this album. Now, if I press back and say I don't think you did your best, oh, now you got an attitude and you don't want to do nothing. You don't want to work hard no more. So, like when they when we looking back as fans, like, oh man, what happened to your album? The first thing they're gonna say is, man, these labels they on some stupid stuff. Like so these labels. Are you- are you saying it goes to accountability? Yes. Okay. I could, I could agree with that. I don't know. I have a sensitive spot when it comes to Day 26 and B5. I <laughs> thought both of those groups was going to be stars. I still don't know what happened to Day 26. Day 26, um, I, I have information on that as well. Day 26 were stars. They imploded internally. That had nothing to do with Puff. Did you watch it? Did you watch is it? Is it 100% that you unbiased when it comes to defending Diddy? Like, when, if, if it was Diddy's fault, would you say? Listen, I know. You, 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 you made great point. You made great points, but I haven't once heard you listen, yet. Say, I even listened to, no, I, I, I listened to the artists themselves. Day 26 was on Vlad TV, and I don't fuck with Vlad like that to be giving him no shout out. So, but still, like, they was on Vlad TV, and they said that, um, that Puff was a great label owner. We had stuff internally through our management is the reason why. Like, they kept infighting. And if I'm a label owner, like, I don't want to deal with nobody if y'all bring a negative energy and stuff like that. Like, they released two platinum albums. Like, that, that to me, that doesn't make sense from an owner. Like, why would I drop a, and also unrelated to Puff, like, they, they um, Atlantic dropped um, Bad Boy from distribution, which is also why Day 26 didn't get a contract renewal. So that's different. Like, Puff didn't even have a distribution contract. So I can't yeah. sign you to a label if I can't distrib- distribute your music. So so essentially, any artist that has a problem with Diddy should look in the mirror. And <laughs> no, Diddy- no, he was wrong for... Let's hear it. <laughs> oh, this gonna take you. Be, you've been dropping the facts all day, and now when it comes to tell me why Diddy was, was wrong. he wrong for? Yeah, so, what was he wrong for? I, I felt like he was wrong for. He could have. He could have done things differently with um with Mace. And I think he could have done things differently with with the locks. And um, as far as like how he handled those situations, I don't. I, I don't necessarily think he was wrong, but I think it's it's a way that you can handle those situations. Like it's a way where. You can compromise. Somebody meets in the middle, like. But he was stubborn on both of those situations. But I'm saying I don't 
you know, I get it. That's what I'm saying as far as like, I understand you being stubborn, but I feel like it's a way you can handle it. Um, sure. As far as Craig Mack, since he was the fir- he was the first artist signed to uh, Bad Boy, I can see how you can go wrong with that as well. But I also don't think Craig Mack was a star. So like, I think he noticed that as well. I thought Craig Mack was a good rapper, but I don't think he was a superstar. But yeah, like I don't think Diddy is perfect. I think like it's different ways that he could have handled things, but I don't think he's this villain that everybody claims he is. So well, that's fair. That yeah, I I, I no further arguments here. I, that was a great discussion. I enjoyed. Um, so I just want to move to some of the best uh, record labels that I did research on. Um, have just a couple here, um, and then going to touch briefly on artists that were kind of fumbled in a way. I know you corrected me, uh, Gerard, with uh, Jeezy, so I have a few more later. But some of the best labels I found, um, the first being Entire Distribution, um, I learned that they are a label that has a track record for sticking with artists and focusing on lasting relationships, which I feel like goes against everything uh, when it comes to the music industry. Um, they have, they still have deals with, uh, oh, what's my man? What's my man's name? Made me feel some type of way. Rich homie Quan uh, and, and Dram. They still have deals with them despite, you know, both artists kind of essentially falling off a little bit. Yeah. But I just felt like that, that was very interesting to see in the opposite of what I'm used to when it oh, comes shout to, out to Dram. He just released a new album, um, yesterday. So I'm gonna check it out for sure. Um, but they've also worked with Snoop, 50, Anderson, Pac at one point or another. Um, and, yeah, like I said, just working with Dram and Rich Homie Quan, I feel like that, that goes a long way for me in loyalty that you don't see too often when it comes to the music industry. Right. Um, so I'm just going to list these off. If you guys have anything to add, just feel free to interrupt me um, or add anything. But CMG by Yo Gotti um, was one that I learned is one of the best uh, record labels to be signed to right now. Currently have Money Bag Yo, Black Youngster, 42 Doug. Um, apparently, they're really picky with the type of uh, artists and the way they go about doing their their business. Um, but they are a smaller label that's kind of currently on the rise. So um, you should be. I, I like Gotti because like he he's super picky with his artists. Like and that's how you should be. You shouldn't sign every hot thing. You want to build a relationship so that these artists will want to give back to you as much as you put into them. So I like CMG. Yeah, and there was a YouTube video that I watched uh, by Hip Hop Content, which um, really enjoyed researching and watching the videos and, and learning about, uh, you know, when it comes to record labels and stuff like that. So if you guys aren't familiar with that, uh, be sure to check them out because they are very informative when it comes to record labels and music in general. Um, but the next one I have is Grand Hustle. I learned that they essentially had no middleman once they uh, got on their own. Um, they signed B.O.B., Travis Scott, uh and they were really good at finding talent, like right, literally right before they blew up. So, mm-hmm. um, very Azalea impressed by that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Iggy Azalea was another one. Um, Almost had yeah. meal. So, mm. so I've seen that. I've seen stuff that said they did have me, but then I saw other stuff that said they didn't. So I, was I don't know. I, see, I don't know if he was signed to an actual contract, but I know he did. He was going to sign with them before Tip went to jail. Mm. So that's Man. the only reason that Meek ended up on MMG. So. Great nugget Yeah. Um, the next one I had was 1017. Uh, so at one point they had Chief Keith, Young Thug, and Waka um, in the past, but now they have Pooh Shiesty currently. 
Um, and I do remember Gucci Man going really hard trying to get uh, Lil Pump signed to the label. Mm-hmm. Never could get him, but I do remember seeing him on social media trying to get him signed. Um, so but let yeah. me push back. Let me push back on ten seventeen. Do you yeah. think that? Do you think they are a good label, or you think that uh, Gucci has a good job of finding talent? I think both, because I don't, I don't know. Even like with Waka and Gucci beefed out, I haven't heard many artists like walk away from ten seventeen and say Gucci did the them Migos. wrong. Huh? The are Migos. they? Are are they on record for saying Gucci did them wrong when it came to money or or management? I, I Genuinely asking because I, I didn't see anything. I don't know about money, but that relationship soured. So <laughs> like I don't know where it went wrong, but I know that he did find Amigos. I and, will I will add um and what happened to uh OJ the Juice Man? He was 1017. Yeah, a lot of beefs when it came to Gucci, I do recall kind of souring when he was like uh in a really bad spot when it came to drugs, like yeah. right before he went to jail. Yeah. So I'm not excusing his behavior, but I do know he came out and apologized for a lot of the stuff that he was doing because, again, he was on drugs and he had to kick that habit. So no, for sure. I definitely want to research more about the Migos because that was a great point. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. With 1017, I don't I, – I will say this. Gucci is an amazing at finding talent. So, like – if you can get all this A plus talent on your label, kudos, that automatically gives you a one up on everybody else. Now, I don't know sustaining that talent on your label. I don't know how he does that because nobody that's that's like super popping is still on um, 1017. Well, other than Pooh Shiesty, I guess. <laughs> but he's new. He's new. Yeah. But, but I, I, yeah, shout out to Pooh Shiesty. I know Drew yeah. don't like him, but I like Pooh. Yeah, I, don't know, <laughs> I haven't really heard much from him. That's why I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm going to say both with you, Drew, when it comes to Pooh Shiesty. Um, But the next one I had was Quality Control. Um, similar that's to DJ Khaled. What would you say, Drew? That's a great label. Yeah, so similar to DJ Khaled. So they've they've got a formula that's been working great with releasing uh, compilation albums. Um, they did sign the Migos. Uh, they also have Lil Baby Sign, Lil Yachty, City Girls. And they also help uh, manage Cardi B. Um Additionally, they sponsor athletes, I found, with quality control sports. Mm-hmm. And some of the athletes that they sponsor include Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, and Debo Samuel. So um, also my cousin just following him on Instagram, a bankroll Freddie, and seeing, you know, being gifted with vehicles and, you know, the type of uh, independence and, and control that he gives his artists. I definitely feel like that's one of the best labels to be signed to. Yeah, shout out to Bankroll Freddy and shout out to QC. Like, yeah, I, sure. I, love, I love QC. Yeah. What'd you say, Drew? I said up and coming for sure. I didn't know that about the athletes. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Um, and then I had Rock Nation, um, mainly because they stepped in and saved uh, Lil Uzi Vert from his bad deal when he was stating he was wasn't allowed to release his album. And then Jay Z stepped in, and then boom, there came the album. So. Um, now let's pause here for a minute uh, because because yeah. <laughs> i know there's somebody on here that is a big fan of the owner of rock nation but he to me jay-z is kind of like what you were saying gerard about like dre and aftermath and waiting to put out some of these artists mm-hmm. and like making a great album and just five years later there it is or there it isn't you know like mm-hmm. jay electronica is the perfect example right now um do you think that was because of the label or because of Jay Electronica? I don't know. I really don't know. Because of Jay Electronica. Jay Electronica's got a lot going on in <laughs> yeah. his head. But 
I feel well. The thing with me is because Act Two was supposed to come out ten years ago, mm-hmm. and then it was nine, and then eight, then seven, and then Act Two turned into what the, uh, a written testimony, right. which came out last year finally. So I don't know what happened because Just Blaze even came out and said Act Two is coming, and Just Blaze had a bunch of production on it, and all of a sudden it went away. Jay-Z was on every single track on that album, so I really don't know. I want to know what happened there. That's on Jay Alec, because even when Jay Alec was on The Breakfast Club, he he would just say he waiting on when he felt like doing it. You know, he would be out and about doing other things. He got a billionaire girlfriend. Like, I don't know what Jay Alec be on. So, <laughs> like, like, so I don't think that's on the label. But, but, but I, mean, I, I, do, I think with Jay, it depends. Like, I think because of his experiences when he was an artist starting Rockefeller, Jay's idea is you should build up who you are as an artist first. Like he doesn't like Jay doesn't sign people. That's like, um, here today, gone tomorrow talent. He always right. signs people that's, uh, sustains. And I, the only artist I know that he was kind of like hesitant on was J Cole when he first came out and he told him, you need to find a hit, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want you just like to make an album. Cause people will, listen to your album and then they'll forget about you tomorrow. Like you need to find something to sustain as an artist. And I think that's what Jay teaches his artists. But I think um, Rock Nation is very well ran and it's not just art like Jay-Z driven, you know, like they have a whole team to make sure that every aspect of you as an artist is taken care of. Like, and I don't think a lot of labels have that type of support system. Like, so. Well, then we got to dig in a little deeper with Rockefeller back in the day and the rise and fall of them. And then kind of converting Rockefeller into Rock Nation out of nowhere, yeah. you know? So, yeah. But, you I know, mean, like, how do we feel about Rockefeller? Be how you feel about Rockefeller. <laughs> I Personally, the only wrongdoings I'm super familiar with is if you ask Dame Dash and how he feels Jay-Z did him, mm-hmm. um, turning the label into something for his own and kind of offering him, I forget the figures, but... Basically, Dame Dash said he was offered a little bit of money, and then Jay-Z took it and went to a whole another level, and he feels like, you know, he was left out. So, personally, though, for artists, I don't hear, even with all the beefs within um, Rockefeller, you never hear anybody say, you know, they did me wrong when it came to money or right. uh, anything like that. So, to me, that's kind of the common theme for, you know, these discussions. So, I feel like they're a good label, but personally, we'd have to dig, we'd have to dig deeper into Jay-Z and Dame Dash to be able to fully answer that question see back then i feel like jay was still jay knew the game jay was an expert at the game but i don't feel he did right by a lot of those artists back then i feel like they could have been a lot bigger than what they were my prime example is uh the young guns because i feel like Hmm. i feel like young chris was a superstar alone you know and after the whole Rockefeller downfall, young Chris was just putting out mixtapes and just kind of fizzled out. Like you don't hear yeah. shit from them anymore. I uh, do feel bad for young Chris. He, I, he, I think he was definitely a star. Right. And, and I, I feel think, like you know, he wasn't timing, promoted like he should have been, you know, I mean, like, you know, when, when Rockefeller broke up, state property chose beans to chose to go to Dame Dash Road. Right. So like that, like state property went there and Dame Dash didn't do what he was supposed to do with them. So see, I didn't know the whole bean situation in full. I think one of the first times I met you, Gerard, we ended up bringing it up. 
Mm-hmm. And what you were saying to me is just how Beans would go in, Jay would bail him out. He'd go in, he'd bail him out. <laughs> and the final, the final straw was like, listen, you can either, in the words of Diddy and Chappelle show and Wyclef, you can either make this record or not. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Jay gave him all the resources in the world to make one more like hit record. And Beans, what he do? He fucked it up and went in jail again. You know. Yeah. Like, and, and, and even Cameron had an interview on Drink Champs, and he talked about. The conversation that he had with um, Dame and Dame was telling him, like, listen, I'm trying to make you vice president of Rockefeller. It's going to be you, um, Beans and me uh, and Bleak. Mm. Like, but we're going to make sure we use you first because, you know, the business already, you know, already like been jerked or whatever. So like we're going to and you already doing things with the diplomats. Beans still need to learn the business and we right. still teaching Bleak because at the time Bleak was still young. The issue with Beans was that Beans was still a street guy. You know, like, so he like his thing was, yeah, this rapping stuff is a hobby. Like I'm making money off of it, but I'm still out here in the hood. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that they taken care of. And Jay was trying to explain to Beans like, yes. And he even said it on one of his songs. Like, listen, yes, I get your like you still a street dude. But if you can find a way to go legit, I'm trying to teach you that route right now. We Mm -hmm. all came from the streets. That wasn't um, Beans. I like where his head was at at the time. So. Are those the feelings that Jay Z referred to when he said Beans would tell you if he wasn't in his feelings? Yeah, okay. exactly. It's exactly. It. <laughs> hey, do I get credit for remembering that line? Yeah. yeah. As a casual, come on, come yeah. on, me. Well, I mean, then uh, he had the. Uh, I love the line too uh, in the Diamonds remix with Kanye and Jay. Yep. Jay had uh, uh, Bleak could be one hit away his whole career as long as I'm alive. He's a millionaire, like. Yep. That that's respect for your boy. And guess, like, who, and guess who runs marketing for Duce? Bleak. Memphis Bleak. Like, so, like, like I think he realized. I think he realized Bleak wasn't that artist. You know, like Bleak had a couple hits, but he wasn't that that's main the, solo act. No, Bleak wasn't that artist, but he was <laughs> damn good though. Like, he so that's good. the thing. He was but, really good. But you know, when when Jay said that line, now you put so much pressure on Bleak to become Jay Z. Like, yeah, and he wasn't that. So. It's just the the whole timing with me to Rockefeller was weird. Obviously, like the landscape and music was changing then. And right. I feel like Jay just basically said, fuck everybody who doesn't want to work hard, you know? Right. Yeah. But and then made Rock Nation, which is I mean, they took on a lot right from the beginning with like the whole sports side, too. Yeah. So but then when you see the people who work with Jay that do want, you know, to work hard, like look at Rihanna. Like, let's let's just take a moment and look at Rihanna. Like. She started off as just like an island girl from Barbados, like and when and signed to Jay Z when he just started his role in Def Jam. Look at her now. Yeah. Like you know (laughs) right. Like Savage Venti is booming right now. That's crazy. And that's like that's following, that's taking care of your business. Look at where Jeezy went. Like, you know what I'm saying? Look at Ross where he went. Like once once you follow Look at Kanye. Kanye ch- chose to go to Jay Z side instead of Dame when Dame was the one banging on the table for Kanye. I was just going to add, like, literally Dame Dash signed Kanye uh, as an as an artist because he didn't want to lose him as a producer. Right. And at a time, nobody literally would sign Kanye that wanted to rap. People right. were like, nah, we, we just want you to produce. So definitely got to give Dame Dash some love for that. Yeah, but that, but Kanye knew the smart decision was to stay with Jay. <laughs> like, so. I mean, yeah. All those number one albums in a row, something's got to be working right. Yeah. Well, I feel like on later episodes we can like deep dive into some of these labels because they're just 
there's artists that you know are associated labels that you kind of forget started under a certain label like we can dive much deeper into this i would love to have a further discussion about you know what happened with dame dash jay-z how they mm-hmm. went their separate ways so i think this could be a future uh topic if you guys you know are comfortable with for sure, that. For sure. i so think the moral of the story is it's, it's hard to say best and worst labels because one artist can turn your label into like the biggest thing in the world and i think a lot of times like my my issue is like i, I don't think we give enough accountability to artists because there's a lot of artists out here who are super smart and took their business into their own hands and they turned their label into great labels, you know, just off of the business dealings that they did. And then there's other labels who are ran greatly. Like we look at P and No Limit. I love what P did for for himself and No Limit getting 80% um, distribution from um, Priority and stuff like that. But then I also look at P like, when you look back at No Limit and the artists, like they don't, they speak of P like, yeah, he runs his business, but where are those artists today? Right. That's that's the issue that I have. Like, yeah, he he had a run between what I want to say ninety eight to two thousand two. Yeah. And after that, what happened? So it's hard for me to say like, oh, you're a great label just because you ain't jerk your artist, but where's your sustainability? Like, we can look at like we can look like even Bad Boy is not not a great label today. But Puff is still like in the mix, you know. Right. Like, yeah, was not here. Like, Rap a Lot is still is was a great label back in the day. It's not here today, you know. The only person who started in '96 and is still rocking today is Jay Z and Rock Nation, and that's I mean, had to transform from yeah. Rockefeller to Rock Nation. <laughs> like, so I like, feel bad for Snoop during those times. Just thinking about it now, because Death Row to No Limit to kind of just being a free agent you know yeah and he was still like in prime snoop mode so but that worked out for him it did like, he figured that independent was the best route like for sure and then like it's a great like i look at people like um like strange music and um man tech i love nine. yeah you know, i respect that, tech nine so much for what bro, he did for those artists me, if you have a chance go and research that because yeah. they might not be in the mainstream but they make hella money and it's all like it's all his boys they do go out and find talent and with that talent they they promote within themselves you know like they're all featured on each other's albums and stuff tech nine tech nine is a pioneer in music i know you're not the biggest fan of them b but no i think that that might be a great first when we take a deep dive we can take a deep dive into tech nine and his his company and the money um that they're generating i'm no i'm definitely fascinated by that so they press their own records, like bro, like it's the things that they do in strange music is like it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. bro, like they like they fund their own um tours. Yeah. Hear me, bro, hear me. Like, once we get into the business of music, you I don't think you really understand, bro. Like, it's a reason why Live Nation is like a billionaire company to fund tours and stuff like that, because that shit is expensive. Yeah, yeah. Strange music funds their own tours. So the money that's generated during those tours come back to them. That's crazy. You know what? The other thing I love about them, Gerard, too, is they have a timetable and a schedule, and they do not stray away from it. Every two years, those artists will put out a brand new album, 20 tracks long, take it or leave it, you know? And it doesn't matter what they sell because they're independent. So, like, like say a record label... See, I, I love the business of music, so I don't want to get too into it till we do our podcast. But like a small thing, a record label, when they sign you to a contract and you're signed to a major label, you get points on the record. So like say it's 15, like 
I'm giving a number. The the uh, album is 15 points. Like an uh, artist, you get two points on that record, and then everything else is split between your your um production company, the distribution, and all of that. Mm-hmm. On strange music, say it's 15 points on the thing, and you're an artist, you get seven. Because you only split in between them and strange music. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you get half of the points. So if you sell 20,000 um albums and like say the album costs like ten dollars an album, you sell twenty thousand, you get half of that off rip. Yeah. Not counting your publishing, you know what I'm saying, and not counting how much you make on shows. So those artists are well off, like off rip, like so, like that's, bro. Listen, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, on a future, in a future episode, we'll discuss the business of music or the business of certain music artists, and we'll definitely dive deeper into this because. Dry, I, I feel like this is the most passionate you've been in any episode. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I love music, but I like the business because I like opening the curtain, you know, like to see, like, it's a lot of things that go on that everybody don't know about, like, that affects an artist outside of, like, a couple of bars and some melodies, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, I love it, man. Um, but yeah, I just had a list um, here of the worst fumbles for labels that I was going to add quickly. Um, and the first actually being with Diddy. Diddy was fired from Uptown Records for having too big of an ego. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that, there probably would never be a bad boy entertainment. Yeah. Shout out to Puff. Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I'm all for, you know, people getting back up when they get knocked down. So Bruno Mars signed to Motown straight out of high school and was released due to them believing that he needed to polish his skills more. Destiny's yeah. Child and Beyonce was dropped from Electric Records uh, for being too young and underdeveloped. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Kanye, literally nobody wanted to sign him, and it took Dame Dash signing him simply because he didn't want to lose him as a producer. Missy Elliott was actually in an R&B group called uh, Sista. Sista. Uh, they were assigned also to Electra Records through Swing Mob imprint. And yeah, Timberland playing from Jodeci. Yeah. Like, we need to talk about all the artists he had under his umbrella. <laughs> like, Yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, but Timberland produced one of the group's albums in 1994, and by 1995, Swing Mob had folded, but Misty continued to work with Timberland. Uh, but this was as a producer and not an artist. But, I mean, the rest is history. So yeah. I actually didn't know Missy Elliott started off as an uh, uh, R&B group or within an R&B group. So that was dope to see. And then Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, I mean, you know, kind of viewed as being corny now. But, you know, they were rejected by literally every major label in the game. So they decided to do it themselves. Uh, they became the first U.S. number one that didn't have a major label backing them uh, within almost 20 years, I believe it was. But I actually didn't know that. I always assumed that Macklemore uh, and Ryan Lewis were were behind somebody, but right. weren't. And I have to give a lot of respect to that because that it takes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, when it's just you, hey, <laughs> a lot of hands in those pockets, man. And then uh frank ocean i actually didn't know he released blonde by himself Mm -hmm. um he had a lot of complications and refers to his seven-year relationship with def jam as a chess match uh ended up buying back all his masters and had numerous staff changes while he was with def jam so shout out to frank Frank for sure because i he swindled the hell out of def jam bro yes he did And blind would be a good one to take a deep dive into. Bro, that's genius, bro. That bro, like till this day, blind is still a great album. You could literally turn that on. Drew, do you have that vinyl? 
I don't have that. Uh, the only one I own is uh, Channel Orange. Man, yeah, I so, love that one too. <laughs> bro, it's it's. Dog. Yeah, I was. I didn't know that. That was crazy. That's definitely crazy. <laughs> and, um, I had Kid Cudi leaving good music, but I don't know if that's considered a fumble because he's still with good music for a little while. Yeah, he kind of did it to himself, though. Yeah, he went he through a through a weird little phase. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's my yeah. list of you know the the biggest fumbles. So, um, yeah. Is any, is anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up? I'm sure we've hit our sweet spot, but I love this discussion. Well, the sure. obvious one you mentioned a couple podcasts ago too was Two Chains with DTP. Mm. That was a huge one. <laughs> mm, man, I wonder if he still like dislike Ludacris because I, I know, know before he had an issue with him, but I wonder if they cleared things up because that. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh. It's amazing how you could literally just be sitting on a diamond and oh man, completely <laughs> you know, back. Uh, Luda was featured on that new Conway album, Gerard, which was crazy to uh, me. Yeah, I heard it. That yeah. was out of nowhere. Yeah. Luda can, man. I don't care. Luda can rap. Like, still, still. Yeah, it ain't a lot of rappers like I, I look at Luda the same way I look at Method Man. Like for some reason, like bro, your breath control and your yeah. tone. Remains the same twenty years later. Like uh, that's that's alien type shit. Like I don't know. Like everybody can't do that. So uh, mm, look at y'all senseis dropping knowledge, man. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good spot to wrap it up, fellas. So, yeah. um, Drew, I almost did it again, but I caught myself. Do you have a teaser for next week? What are we gonna do next week? Is next week we talk about label deals, or do we talk about? The NBA. <laughs> we talk about sports. We talk yeah. about sports and music and the relationship they've had. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm excited. We also have a dope, we also have a dope interview coming up in that one too. So ah, I yes, I won't spoil that too much, but I think y'all gonna like that one, man. I'm about to start calling B. Barbara Walters. You know, what I'm <laughs> these interviews he be caking up. So I'm excited, man. There's there's so many more I want to have. So. We got some stuff in the works, man. I'm excited. But, yeah, next week we will discuss sports and music and the relationship between the two. But until next time, man, this has been two hip-hop sensei's and a casual, and y'all be easy. Take care.